Authority Issues, a podcast about leadership, management, and the vanity of going back to your old prescription because you like those frames better. I'm yes. Rachel Perkins, a.k.a. Pie or Pie Bob. I'm into words, operations, cheese, and whiskey, and of course, leadership. And I'm Kendall Miller. While I'm not a big fan of science fiction, I recently became aware that I have a three-body problem, and I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> Today on the show, we're talking with Christina Kemmer, Senior Engineering Manager at Envision. Hi, Christina. Hello. Welcome, Christina. Welcome Excited that you're here. You. Excited to be here. Oh. Well, uh, so let's jump right in. Tell us about your path to leadership and management and where you are today. Yeah. Um, well, it was. it's kind of been a, a little bit of a winding path. Um, so I'm a Senior Engineering Manager now, but my career started in product and product management and actually before that in college I probably majored in like eight different things before I decided on information systems finally and I think that was more so that my parents were just like listen just pick something and be done so that was good but it worked out great because I ended up you know choosing a career that was actually in my degree field um uh, so I got into product management Um, I actually worked for Boeing right out of the gate from college. I went to school at New Mexico State University and then did everything I could to get out of New Mexico. I love that state. I am so glad I'm from there, but I am so glad I don't live there now. Um, So got the chance to move to Seattle, uh, which was amazing and an amazing amount of culture shock for me. there was like water culture shock or, or lack of sun shock. Sorry. Keep going. That too. That too. I mean like water green things, um, was, was quite a shock, but also like just living in an actual city. Um, but yeah, started working for Boeing. I worked there for about six and a half years, uh, and doing a variety of different jobs and different functions, kind of like you do in a big corporation. Um, and, uh, then I met my partner up there, met my wife up there at the time. We lived there. Well, hang on. Tell us what you did for Boeing. What was your role at Boeing right out of college? Right out of college, I actually entered into a rotational program within the IT department. And that gave me a chance to do basically like six different jobs over two years. So anything from systems analysis to uh, product management, project management, um, some testing and QA stuff, things like that. So it was kind of a big swath of like IT related things over two years, which was actually really cool. Um, and actually one of the best parts about it was that it gave you access to, um, a a airplanes. Yes. (laughs) Which are amazing. It is an amazing feat that we as humans can actually build that and fly. I think it's just incredible. Um, but it gave you access to a bunch of executives within Boeing. So these people that oh, have been there years, um, these very high level executives, they kind of had a program that you could, um, just an understanding that folks in this rotational program could just say, Hey, I want to, you know, set up an informational interview with you. And so it, it really built a lot of confidence around like, oh, I'm just going to reach out to this person in leadership and like, just talk to them mm-hmm. about things. Um, which yeah, I yeah. think. If you don't have that like approval or like sort of support to do that, that can be kind of intimidating. So, um, yeah, I've so always been cool. impressed with folks who have come to me like, oh, can I just do an informational interview? And I'm like, I never thought to do that when I was coming up. Right. Yeah. It's pretty, totally. pretty great. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And it's kind of funny that like, I, I don't know the confidence that you have, like 
right out of college, entering right into your career. I feel like even now, if I were to be like, oh, I should do an informational interview. I don't know how I would feel about that. Like, what do I talk about? You know? Um, but then I was like, yeah, I'm going to go schedule some time with somebody and like just talk their face off. So, um, so that was awesome. And, and then after that, after that two year program, uh, mostly then fell into like product management roles throughout Boeing. So specifically within it, um, and the systems that they were delivering, um, internally to employees and engineering employees, but some external to customers. Um, so in our partners and things like that, but, um, but yeah, so that, that's kind of Boeing. I I just, there's a million questions I have about this because I just assume that everything you did is running in production on a 747. (laughs) Like, like, what does it, what does it mean that you were in it for Boeing? Like, were you building, HR systems for them? Were you, you know, helping them set up email or were you building like the things that go in the backs of seat rests? Like I, I, I legit have no idea. So I totally, just understand. that's an excellent question. And actually it was a mix of like almost all of that. So when I first got out of the rotational program, it was, I was working on the system the basically like the design CAD systems that the engineers used to design the parts, the airplane parts that then were shipped off to our suppliers to be built and then shipped back to Everett, Washington to then be assembled together on the 787 Dreamliner. So that part was so cool. That part was so cool because it was basically enabling the system of like, okay, this is how we're, this is the first part of building the airplane. Right. And so working with a bunch of CAD engineers that, um, you know, did this every day in, day out, and they would be assigned. What was so fascinating about that is that these, you know, super smart engineers would be assigned basically the wing box of the right wing of the 787, right? So their narrow, fo- their focus is like super narrow. It's not like the engineers building planes kind of have this full context of the plane. It's this really specific area of the plane. And then they kind of piece it all together. Um so that was a part of it. What is product There's, management like at that level? Like what kinds of, what, what sort of approach, what kind of decisions do you make then? Yeah, it, it was all around how, mostly in that role, it was around how do we actually get the data, not only from like Seattle and Everett, where a lot of the Boeing-led engineers were, um, but also kind of replicating that data. So giant amounts of like part data, Mm -hmm. uh, drawing data, things like that to our suppliers. So they were basically like, our role was to make sure that we could have that replication so that if we changed a spec within Seattle, that somebody who was building the fuselage in Italy was able to open that up the next day and say, oh, this changed. Cool. Let's change our part. Mm-hmm. you know, how we're creating that part. And so it was all around the sort of network infrastructures and um, deploying of systems between different sites that Boeing used with their suppliers. Oh. And it was a lot of like, I don't know, trying to get herd cats basically <laughs> to get people on the same page. So oh, uh, that is definitely useful experience. <laughs> Yeah, there's no matter what industry. (laughs) There's very much a reason that that is a common uh, example or common analogy that people use, right? Right. Mm -hmm. uh, It's it's like herding cats. That's Mm -hmm. interesting. Okay, so herding cats, right? Exactly. Same thing. Well, so then where'd you go after Boeing? So after Boeing, um, so uh, 
my partner and I moved back to Denver. She's from Denver. Uh, we were tired of being shrouded in clouds. Uh, we both love the sun. And so we decided, Amen. okay, let's, let's move back to Denver. Um, and I stayed working for Boeing remotely for a little bit. And then, um, you know, that was, it was, I decided, you know, the size of Boeing wasn't what I needed. And so, um, I ended up uh, moving to a small kind of, the, at the time web conferencing company called ready talk local to, um, local to Denver. And, uh, it was a small sort of, I would say probably 150 person company. So moving from this, like thousands of people in this giant organization to like what felt like the, a tiny, tiny company at ready talk. But, um, but I started as a product manager at ReadyTalk, and it was amazing. The culture of ReadyTalk for probably the first five years that I worked there was incredible. Um, and I was hired in wait, to do. Wait, what, what did yeah. you like? What did you like about the culture? It was it was incredible because they had free potato chips, or you you happened to like the people you worked with. Like what 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 made it incredible? Totally, totally. Um, so it. It was this interesting, man, there's so many facets, facets to that. So free snacks, for sure, were <laughs> part of it. Um, but I think there was sort of a culture of uh, from the top down. So the, the brothers co-founded that company, and they were still very involved. Um, so, so one of them was the CEO. The other was the head of everything else, basically. Um, and the CEO, Dan King, had this... Um, really important vision around a company that he wanted to start. He had his whole background was in like finance and financial companies and big telecom companies and things like that. But, um, you know, he had this vision that he wanted to start a company that employees would love to come work at and love to stay working at. And his vision was that if, if he really created this culture that he could create a successful business from it, no matter what it was. So that was kind of his first priority. Um, and what was interesting is that they ended up kind of just things worked out for them over the next 10 years that they got a giant contract with, um, global crossing at the time. Um, oh, yeah. that soon became level three. Um, and, oh. and it sort of just like skyrocketed from there that they were able to kind of build this business still staying true to that vision of like, okay, we want people to love coming to work here. And, and what what was the, what did they think people loved coming to work for? Was this a, was this sourced from the employees or, uh, like yeah, that's a yeah. I think yes, part of it was, but part of it was also like, um, it was sort of an understanding that people wanted to be involved in decisions, mm, right? Okay. People wanted to be like feel like they had a voice, feel like they had a part in the direction the company was going or the direction an organization was like part of the organization was going. And, um, I feel like he really built that. Yeah. Yeah. Kind of ownership, incredible. Feeling of ownership and responsibility. Yeah. yeah. Cool. Okay. Yeah. Sorry. I was just really curious about like, it's one thing to say you, you know what your employees want or what makes them happy. And it's another to, you know, actually reach out and find out what that means. So, totally. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, so I, I started in a product management role there. It was actually working with our backend billing team. Um, we had built our, a homegrown billing system, or they had built a homegrown billing system, and then they were, you know, trying to evaluate: do we move to a third-party billing system? Do we rebuild the one we have? 
Um, and so, so I was working with that team and it was kind of the first time I worked in a very, um, agile, but like, you know, more of the traditional software development kind of cycle. So working in scrum and working with an engineering team and then, you know, trying out Kanban and trying out different things of like, okay, trying to understand given this group of four engineers that I'm working with, how do I present work to them or how do I engage them so that we can efficiently complete work? Um, and did you decide awesome. to bring in an outside solution or did you decide to rebuild the thing and you stuck around to rebuild it? So we did like a three month evaluation about outside solutions uh, because all of us were like, we will not rebuild this. That is a ridiculous thing to rebuild it. And then decided to rebuild it. Ourselves what? Because. what? Oh my <laughs> this is, yeah, that's, that I, I was going to say, there's an obvious decision here. And then, <laughs> so now I'm super curious about that, but keep going. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so we, we, there were a lot of very unique, you know, particular requirements that the billing system had to have that nobody could do. And so we decided to rebuild it ourselves, um, and embarked on basically a year and a half long project of gathering up the requirements, um, understanding what this system needed to do, understanding the integration points, um, and it was honestly like the the best project I've ever worked on because I worked so closely with the engineers. The engineers had so much context into like why they were doing the things they were doing. They were making decisions based on direct customer feedback around like, okay, we understand fully how our users are using our tool, how they need to use this product, what they're hoping to do because they had a bunch of context around what everybody told them, oh, we wish we could do this, or like, we're trying to do this for this customer and build them in this way. And um, it was just a super powerful example of what an engineering team can do with the right context and with a lot of autonomy. And it was cool. It was a cool thing to be a part of. Um, and what, nice. so you, you learned that that's something that's super useful to have, uh, you know, and it's something you can often provide as, as a product manager, access to the customers and and what they what they're dealing with more direct understanding of what the business is but um what has been one of the harder lessons that you've had to learn on your way to where you're you're going yeah i think that's a good question i think some of the harder some of the harder lessons are the the like reality that sometimes you don't have all the context mm -hmm. or the reality that sometimes you don't have the actual autonomy to make the right decisions or make what you, you feel are the right decisions. Um, that sometimes it's just out of your hands and, and also like having, yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> understanding when you're in that situation, I think is super, super key to, being happy and successful. Yeah, knowing whether it's like you have no power here, so you might as well just get on right. with it kind of thing. Yeah, yeah. it's pretty sanity saving. Yeah, yeah <laughs> well, exactly. And then Christina, so then then you end up at uh, Envision. How'd you end up as a senior in engineering manager? What was that? Oh, we, yeah, we, I we, totally we interrupted. Yeah, <laughs> I wanted you. to find That's out so more. Sorry. Right? I liked that. 
It was, um, well, so it's interesting. So at ReadyTalk, um, the thing that made ReadyTalk so great, and, and I talked about the culture, well, that is actually the place where I transitioned into engineering product ownership and then made the jump to engineering management. So I moved okay. on from product management, started working more across all of the engineering teams at ReadyTalk in a pro- like technical product owner capacity. And then, um, you know, the VP of engineering there at the time said, hey, I think that you could... I think that you could be an engineering manager and I think you should try it uh, because I've, I've, you know, he was a, a mentor to me. And so I had talked about like, I'm interested in managing people. I think I could, you know, do it. And, um, and so he kind of gave me that opportunity and it, I don't know if I would have felt comfortable in any other place doing that jump. It's sort of a shift, you know, and it felt like there I could, try it and fail <laughs> and say, just kidding. Um, Which is a big and deal. And it would be fine. Yeah. It's a huge well, deal. Yeah. And yeah. you had the background of having been there, I expect, for a little while. So you you had a little bit yeah. more to go with, you know. Yeah. 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 It's yeah, safer. So. And then, Definitely. So how long, then then did you jump to Envision as a manager and, and enter as a manager? And how long have you been in Envision? I did. Yep. So I jumped to, uh, I was a manager at uh, EM at, at ReadyTalk for a couple of years and then jumped to Envision um, as an engineering manager uh, managing teams here. Yeah. And I've been at Envision almost two years. It'll be two years in May. So cool. Okay. Congrats. And yeah. can you talk about like, what's, what's an issue you're dealing with right now? Is there a, uh, a leadership problem that you're bumping your head up against right now? That's, that's driving you crazy. Yeah, I think, um, there's a, there's a few. There's a couple that stand out to me right now. One is we are trying to kind of get off of the ground a um, a product that kind of deals with uh, real time collaboration around design files. Um, so it what's interesting about it is that it's involving basically three different engineering teams two different product managers, three different engineering managers, plus two different director level product and engineering leaders. So there's like a lot of management involved in the problem. And I think that might be part of the problem. (laughs) (laughs) All the chefs. There's a lot of cooks, a lot of cooks in the kitchen. Um, And so trying to understand how do we how do we get the teams and the, the engineers to the point where we've built enough trust with everybody that, you know, it's a lot of visibility, a lot of, you know, high profile project, but how do you kind of establish enough trust to give the team breathing room to actually go? Right. And, Does, you know, part of it is like, yeah, go ahead. Well, finish your thought first and then I'll ask. Well, I think that, yeah, part of it is, you know, a trust issue, not there's there's not a lot of trust of we know how to do this at Envision well and that is coming through very clearly and so how do you sort of establish trust in that environment to give your at least enough to be able to say okay I'm going to prove now the next thing and get a little bit more trust you know improve the next thing mm-hmm. um, so that's a that's a challenge right now what is what is in this particular challenge, what does failure, like the fear of failure feel like? Does it feel like, and and maybe this is too deep to ask on this podcast, but does it keep you awake at night that, hey, if I fail at this, 
we fail at everything and the company's doomed? Or does it feel like if I fail at this, some deadlines are going to slip? Like, what is yeah. what does the fear of failure look like in this? Um, the fear of failure is it's pretty it's pretty up there for sure. It's pretty up there in the sense of like, you know, the way kind of imagine like imagine how Microsoft felt when they released Microsoft Word. Right? They were like, yeah, like this is we have Office. We are awesome. Word perfect right? is going to die. Right. Word perfect. We're killing word perfect. Right. <laughs> um, and then Google Docs comes out and everybody's like, nah, it's fine. Like that's whatever. And then it's like, like at what point do you think Microsoft was like, oh, damn. Okay. <laughs> Man, like we should have thought maybe differently about things. That's sort of the precipice that we're at, I feel like right now with with that, the ability to collaborate around design and truly collaborate around it, like really getting it out of like, okay, designers like really crafting this very beautiful like design and prototype. Yes, that still happens. But this whole idea of getting people in earlier in that process is yeah. is really coming to the forefront. En- enabling and so, the iteration. Well, yeah. And, exactly. And that's a big deal, but I feel like Microsoft's still sort of waiting to see if the internet's going to pan out, you know? Like, <laughs> sure. not, not quite sure yet, still kind of watching. Right. They've, they've got some good people yeah. on it, though. Um, <laughs> the, best, the best people are on it, I'm sure. <laughs> um, okay, that's, that is super interesting. So that's the uh, level yeah. of tension in the room, you know, ostensibly. Like, this is a pretty significant thing to be thinking about. Uh, and you've got right. these three engineering teams across which you must make this work. Uh, I feel like at, at that level of, you know, I'm imagining there's like maybe, I don't know, 50, 75 engineers involved, maybe, maybe a little fewer. There's like, yeah, I would say mm, probably like 15 to 20. Oh, okay. Like we have pretty small teams. Um, but basically that number of managers involved. Oh, wow. So that's intense. No, <laughs> that may be a little bit of an exaggeration, like but like not much. Like, the force yeah. of personality involved, right? <laughs> oh, but man, it feels like at that level that the some level of agile is not really going to work out. You can't you can't keep that all in sync if it has to stay all in sync. There has to be right. some higher level of like, there's the status of this. I'm communicating it to you, and then moving yeah. that around. That's got to be exactly wild. and right and trying to make that as useful and lightweight as possible, right? Like the, this whole balance of like, you know, what sort of consistency and, and um, rigor do we have around this, right? Some structure around that. But also like having each team feel like, oh, I can own this and move as fast as I can within the constraints and um, trying to balance that is, it's tricky. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's uh, interesting. Yeah. So what do you, so you're, you know, you've moved into different parts of the software development process um, and you've moved up the chain from, I, I assume you got a promotion um, from uh, engineering manager to senior engineering manager, which is your current title. Yeah. Um, has your relationship with authority changed? What, what is your relationship with authority? And do you feel weird about it? Do you weir- feel weird about having authority over other people? Yeah, that's a super great question. And very timely, I feel like right now. Yeah. <laughs> um, but I think, yeah, I think the, because um, I, I recently moved to, you know, managing teams of engineers and individual contributors to 
man also managing managers, right? And I think, um, you know, I was reading some, I was reading something very interesting where people were talking about this idea of servant leadership, right? And how on paper and description, yeah, servant leadership sounds great. Like, of course, those are the things that you want to be doing as a leader, right? Enabling your team and, and giving as much autonomy as possible and really, you know, oh, we're, I'm here to serve you. But, you know, really not forgetting that you have a role of authority. You're still that person's manager. You still have the power to fire them or to give them a raise or not give them a raise or give them a good review or not give them a good review. And um, so not ignoring that is super important. Mm -hmm. And then understanding how that, you know, that's still the case for you too. So you're sitting in sort of this middle piece of, you know, trying to enable other leaders to lead Mm -hmm. while also having your own constraints you know, from like my boss and my boss's boss. Are, um, are you saying you feel like a cog in a machine? <laughs> me, maybe. maybe. Right, so, so talk a minute though about like, so the first time I had the opportunity to manage people who were managing others, it was a very stark contrast for me. And, and maybe, maybe it was the environment I was in and uh, direct reports were just terrible people. You know, I, I don't know, like looking back on it, but the, the first time I had, uh, managers as reports, I had a whole group of people who, you know, every day, all day long had a feedback loop for things they didn't like to see in their reports. And so they were trying to, you know, they'd come to me and say, Kendall, this is how I need to be led. Kendall, you're doing this poorly. Kendall, I need this from you. I need that from you. Why aren't you talking about the vision enough? Why aren't you, you know, but it was this just incredibly helpful feedback loop rather than like people getting annoyed with me and not saying anything or, you know, whatever. Right. Like, like has, has it been a stark contrast moving from managing individual contributors to managing managers or, or does it not feel that way? Absolutely. No, absolutely. It has, it, it absolutely has because the, the conversations, um, the conversations that you have with uh, people that are leading others as well, like it's, it's so interesting because they are thinking through a lot of the same things that you're thinking through with them, right? Like, how do I make my team more efficient? Or how do I help this person grow? Or what do I, how do I deliver this feedback that this person clearly needs, but um, I want to do it in a way that's going to be constructive. And so being able to riff on stuff like that with, with people that report to me, make it feel like such a I don't know. It's such an interesting relationship in that way. And it's more so collaborative than adversarial. Totally. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. It, it feels a lot. It actually feels a lot like, less like I'm a boss in this situation than it did managing individual contributors huh. because, yeah. which is interesting. I like that, that part has been very interesting. Oh, that is so. super well, it's cool. also like something I find a lot is I'm talking to a report who is also a leader and they're telling me about the thing they're freaking out about. And my response is just, I'm so glad you're freaking out about this too. Because <laughs> like, I'm freaking about out about this, but at least it's keeping totally. you up late at night too. You know, like, I don't know. It's just such a funny, totally. <laughs> I'm glad there are other no, smart absolutely. people thinking about this. Uh, <laughs> I know it kind of takes the pressure off. It's nice. Oh yeah. (laughs) Do you feel like you have a different uh, relationship with authority now than you did when you were younger, when you were a kid? Definitely. I think I definitely do. I think as a kid, I, 
I was, um, I was, I very much followed the rules and very much kind of wanted to do the right thing, you know, and, and the right thing was, you know, what the adults were saying or, or my parents or, you know, whoever was, was the teacher or something like that. And it was kind of rare that I felt like I was, I would speak up. Do you know what I mean? Against anything. I would, do you find yourself yeah, doing that sure. a lot now or more now? Yeah. Are, are you, are you saying you're just a hardcore rule breaker all the time? You don't, yeah. you don't care. Rebel, to rebel. Like, what, what does that, what does totally. that mean? No, I think that I, um, I think as I've gotten older and like, I don't, I don't know what it is. I don't know. I don't know where it started changing, but I feel like I got a lot more confidence as I got older, understanding that like, no, I know what I'm talking about. Mm-hmm. Like there are certain things, like I know the things that I know what I'm talking about, right? But I also know the things that I don't know what I'm talking about and listen, like I don't need to have an opinion about that or I don't need to like say anything about that. And um, I think understanding like where my strengths are and where my skills are, um, I've kind of been very self-reflective about that. Mm -hmm. And I think that's given me confidence to speak up more when I see you know, not just taking things at face value or, um, or kind of the ability to, to deliver feedback to folks where it's like, Hey, I think this is something that you should know about how, who you are, how you're managing or how you've communicated or things like that. So have you had, I don't know. Have you had some uh, opportunities to give that kind of feedback to, to assert yourself in that way in the, in this big project you're talking about? Yeah. Yeah. It's been, it's been super interesting and it's been a little bit of a conflict for me because I feel like, um, we're in this very interesting time at Envision where there's folks that have been at Envision and then there's some new folks coming into Envision, um, into leadership roles. And, um, the part of that is to help with like, okay, we're growing as an organization. We need people who have done this before. We need people who have, you know, worked in these, in, in a size of a company that knows what organizational scale looks like. Um, and so there's this interesting conflict a little bit of like in this big project, right? Wait, I know I've run projects like this. I have ideas around how this should work, or I feel that this isn't working and I'm going to say something mm-hmm. and trying to do that in a way that you're heard and also like um, respected. Do you know what I mean? Respected in the sense of like, Oh Yeah okay, like you, you have done this before. And so, um, so definitely in this project, there's been a lot of those. Oh yeah. And examples. not wanting to come across <laughs> as the person that's like, I don't like the new people, you know? Right. Exactly. So right. Like, <laughs> right. Like I, I was commenting to somebody, I was like, oh my gosh, I've only been here like a year and a half, but why do I feel like, like, I don't want to be the old curmudgeon. Do you know what I mean? Of like, but they're doing oh. it wrong. <laughs> right. Somebody's got to play the old but curmudgeon. My and it's, it's a yeah. pretty fun role, honestly. I mean, if, yeah, if, totally uh, so role. you, one thing you glossed over, you said uh, becoming comfortable with the things that you don't know a lot about or don't need to change. Um, I mean, that's sort of in direct conflict with uh, showing up on a Thanksgiving with your family and expressing your political views and expecting it to completely change the future of the country. <laughs> Sure. Don't, don't you? <laughs> I feel like there's a personal I, story here that I am not privy to. 
I, I had nowhere good to go with that nerve. other than, yeah. No, it's, wow. People who understand what they don't know everything about just kind of sounds oh, fascinating. It's, it's more well, so, of the world were full of those people. It would be way better. That's right. That's right. So, Christina, one, I want to ask, I mean, you're relatively new to, you know, at, at least in title, this senior engineering manager role. What's mm-hmm. in your perspective, you know, what is what separates a senior leader from a more junior leader? Like what are the things that you've learned that have helped you level up? And then maybe, you know, also what are the things you see in more senior leaders that you want to imitate um, or yeah. however you want to address that? Yeah, totally. Um, I think as far as the things that have helped me level up is being in situations or like looking at situations and understanding where there's gaps, where people aren't, where there's not a particular directly responsible person, or even if there is like maybe something's not being done or um, people aren't thinking about a certain part of a project or effort. Um, But looking at things that are outside of your scope as defined, right? And understanding, oh, I see that gap. And actually, I'm just going to go try to help fill it and just try to do some stuff and and help us move along. Um, I think that's been the most powerful way that I've been able to level up in the sense of understanding. Uh, I'll give you an example. We had um, we had this huge effort to replatform at Envision from a monolithic platform to a microservices platform. It was across probably 20 different engineering teams. And one of the things that nobody was talking about was testing, testing across end to end, testing across like all the different gaps in the team. So the teams kind of covered their own space very well, but um, you know, nobody was really looking at the gaps between teams, like as the experience moved between, you know, the home screen to a prototype to commenting, things like that. Um, And so I brought that up as like, Hey, we should look at that and here are some ideas that I have around, you know, maybe solving that, how we could approach it with what we've got. And it's stuff like that where it's like, okay, I don't need to ask permission, right? I'm just going to do it because if I don't do it, nobody else is going to do it. Um, and, and just see how it goes. Just approach it in a way where I'm approachable, right? I'm trying to kind of rally others to kind of say, hey, I think we should approach it this way. Let's Let's talk about it and let's figure it out together. Um, then sort of opens some doors of like, oh, okay, great. So it's all around like expanding your own context, right? Expanding your own scope. And that doesn't mean taking on everything, but it means identifying if there are gaps, if you know, if you see them, if you know that they're there and just trying to fill it Mm -hmm. and seeing how it goes. And then learning a lot in the process. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, just understanding that there is a lot. We've had this theme come up a couple times, at least in, in previous podcast recordings, where folks are talking about their idea of senior management being able to have that perspective of the larger goals of the company, the larger goals of right. the service you're running or whatever. And that's a great example that you just gave of having, you know, that wasn't necessarily your team's job. You could have kept your nose clean and perhaps the product would right. have failed, you know. Uh, but right. and you don't know really whether it would have or not. But this idea of like this belongs to all of us to make it successful, we all have to think about it that way. Definitely yeah. a senior, a senior approach, in my opinion. Totally. <laughs> uh, when do you think you? So this is one of the examples of doing that. But I'm sure you've you felt like 
you know, you came to that a little sooner <laughs> than that. Uh, <laughs> uh, did you have an example? Did you did you do that kind of thing in a previous gig as well? The idea of a uh, larger scale view of the company's goals. Yeah, yeah. I think I don't know. I think I think it's part of like just sort of being. Maybe it's a personality trait. Maybe it's a personality trait of like being nosy and um, <laughs> being interested in stuff that's going on. Um, even if it doesn't mean I'm, I'm necessarily like working on something specific, you know, it's, it's sort of like, to me, it always fascinated me when um, teams or individuals or people would keep to their own stuff and just keep to themselves and that's it. And um, to me, it, it seems so boring, right? It seems so like, what, what don't you want to know how you fit into the bigger picture? Like, don't you want to know how the stuff that you're doing impacts, you know, the sales team or your customer or kind of just the bigger scope of things? Um, yeah, yeah. I've always found that interesting. But if you, you understand know? too um, much, you, you might worry. You might become jaded. Yeah. Don't, yes, don't do that. no I am totally a magpie for context that way and it's proven useful to me in so many ways just you know even just sitting around in a chat channel watching other people talk about you know an incident that they're going through or that kind of stuff like it's not directly my job to even know what the hell is going on but it is so interesting and useful and I might be able to be useful in the future because I knew about this so I right. totally get you. Yeah. I think that is awesome. Personally, I think that's awesome. Some people would be like, "Well, <laughs> you're, you know, you're spending too much time thinking about things that aren't your job." It's like, well, eh. to each his own. Yeah. <laughs> right. Exactly. Yeah. Totally. Well, so, and, yeah. Well, I was going to shift Kendall. gears. Did you need to say something else, Rachel? No, I was. I was also. I feel we were about to shift gears in the same way because we are synced up, man. <laughs> 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 so I was gonna say, being, speaking of being interested in other stuff, yes. what are your hobbies outside of work? Yes, that's so amazing, wasn't it, Kendall? Yeah, it's almost like yes. we have a list you of questions like... we're working off of. Almost. <laughs> mm-hmm. I don't want to spoil mm-hmm. anything. Go ahead. Yeah. Um, okay, so I have three very young kids. They are four, three, and two. Wow. So a lot of my time outside of work is hanging out with them. That's a lot of children. Um, that- it's all, yeah, we just keep collecting them. It's kind of odd, um, but it's awesome. They are so fun and um, so hard at the same time, but but it's great. And otherwise, I, I love to run. Mm-hmm. So I love to run and swim. That Actually, swimming has been kind of a late thing that I like to do, but it helps me clear my mind, helps me kind of de-stress and um, things like that. So I love that. And uh, I love live music. My wife and I love going to Red Rocks or love going to live shows. It happens less now. Um, <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine why. It's aforementioned kids, but <laughs> four years maybe. Yeah, <laughs> right. Maybe exactly. Then. Seem to have declined, but uh, but yeah, love that because it. Uh, yeah, I don't know. There's there's just so many good shows that come through this area. Wait, so it's when you when you say running and swimming, is this mountain or neighborhood trail running? Is this um, mountain lake or or rec center pool running swimming? Which which cool. w- what are you into? So for the swimming, definitely rec center pool swimming. I've done some open water swimming. Kind of freaks me mm-hmm. out, but I love it. Um, but yeah, rec center pool swimming. Me and 
all the old ladies at like 5 a.m. It is amazing. It's great. Um, and then uh, running, yeah, a mix. I love, uh, I do a lot of, I live in Arvada, so I do a lot of trail running out here, um, but just like the the bike trails and stuff. But I also like, I'm starting to get into some trail running, like in the foothills. I wouldn't say mountains, but like foothill type area too. So and those are both foothills. very like, because Oops, you can run them with your feet. I'm sorry. You should have interrupted oh, me, Rachel. I should was... have. I'm so sorry, Christina. <laughs> I should have saved you from that. Oh, no. um, <laughs> but uh, those, so running, trail running, and and doing the swimming, they're kind of solitary, right? That that's kind of like. Mm-hmm. So uh, I was earlier puzzling whether I should ask you the are you an introvert or extrovert question, but I I think that it makes it sound like maybe you need that time to recharge. Is that a thing totally. that, yeah. I am a solid introvert. I am a solid introvert. So basically I have the worst um, job possible for me <laughs> because I talk to people all I day. that <laughs> feeling. <laughs> you can stay on target. So you're great. focused. And that's one of the reasons you're right. good at your job. You have to stay focused or you will die. <laughs> right, right, exactly. I mean, you also have a crazy family situation. And as an extrovert with a crazy family situation, I also desperately need that alone time when I'm exercising. So totally. people are like, do you want to go running yes. with me? And I'm like, no, no. No. Ask me again when as my long children as you are in college. Me. Yeah, that's no, I don't, I don't even yeah, want to run exactly. next to somebody. I don't want to have to deal with them <laughs> Uh, you need close. to know you're alone. <laughs> That's right. That's right. Okay, well, so then, you know, with that in mind, if money were no object, what would you do with your life? Would you disappear into the mountains and swim and run until death or something else? So uplifting, Kendall. Oh, I, I, right? I'm really bad at some of these questions. I'm sorry. Until you die. What would you do until you die? Um, I think, yeah, my wife and I have talked about uh, just continuing to move west into the mountains. Um, kind of, I think my wife is extrovert, which is funny, but as she gets older, I feel like she gets more and more introverted and then I just continue to be introverted. So, um, so it's good. (laughs) It's great for our social life. Uh, but, but yeah, I think I would, I don't know. I would probably, I love photography. I feel like I would get into photography and actually like get good at it and maybe do that, but like spend a lot of time in nature. For sure. Mm-hmm. Outdoors, somewhere in the mountains, maybe on a beach. Okay. I don't know. That does also that seems like a theme. People want to be out in nature. If they don't have to be in the rat race, they want to be out there enjoying sunsets yeah. and so forth. So ironically, totally. there's right. a lot of rats in nature. Yes. Once sure. again, with the uplifting. <laughs> but, but are oh, they racing? Man. Yeah, that's Are, are they racing? We need the structure. Of, you know, you like need to set up the whole track and everything, and, right. and then you're not in nature anymore. So I'm feeling yeah. Yeah, really yeah. good about my contributions to this particular podcast. <laughs> um, so, Christina, oh we God. have to wrap up for time. But where can people find you on the internet if they want to know more? Um, people can look me up on LinkedIn. I am also on Twitter, but don't actually tweet a lot. But my handle is Kemaru. K-E-M-M-E-R-O-O. But yeah, that's where I can be found. We will put that in the show notes. Thank you very much for uh, dealing with us today. Yeah, thank (laughs) Thank you for having me. This was awesome. (laughs) Okay, well, have a good one. We'll, uh, I was going to say talk to you next time, but that's probably not, 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 yeah, we'll talk to you soon. Dang it. I'm going to end on a good (laughs) one.